Hello there, everyone. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and thanks for checking in to I Want to Be A here on LJN Radio. Now, this podcast brings you a different professional for each show, giving you some inside knowledge on a variety of jobs and industries looking to help lead you into a successful career. This time around, I want to be an occupational therapist. This is actually a profession that's expecting to see a ton of growth through 2020, far faster than the average occupation. It's also an important position in the realm of health and wellness. Speaking with us today from Washington is Jan Davis. Now, for many years, Jan worked as an occupational therapist and director of OT and rehab centers, and she continues to play a major role in the industry. Jan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Tim. Before we get into the subject matter specifically, give the listeners an idea of uh, sort of your professional background and uh, what your career has been like. Yeah, my career, I, I started out as an occupational therapist and worked in San Diego at a, a wonderful rehab center treating patients who had had strokes and spinal cord injuries, young guys who had had amputations, people who had had a lot of different problems, and, and it was great. Every day I went home, I felt like I had really made a difference and helped someone. I worked from there. I became director of an occupational therapy uh, department in Northern California. I actually taught for a semester at a university um, in the OT program. And then an opportunity came up that is pretty unusual. Um, I went to Switzerland, and I spent four years in Switzerland as director of an occupational therapy center there up in the Swiss Alps, and then came back to the United States and, and started teaching again and helping other faculty members, teachers, and therapists learn more specific techniques. In my area of specialty at that time was stroke rehabilitation. Well, that's cool that you, uh, you definitely have some diversity there. Was it different in Switzerland than it was uh, over here? Yeah, well, besides having to learn another language right, and, and of course. German while I was there, um, you know, occupational therapy is, is a great international kind of a career because people around the world understand um, what an occupational therapist does, and, it, and it's pretty similar. What's different are the cultural differences. So okay. the people that I work with... Um, Culturally, that would be different, but no, it was fantastic. Great. Well, you know, you mentioned right off the bat there, you know, some of the individuals you helped and, you know, some of their injuries or different ailments. Was that what attracted you to the industry? Did you have this sort of feeling of wanting to help others? Was there something else that sort of got you interested? What was, uh, what was sort of your way of getting into the profession and why you wanted to jump into it? Yeah, um, I had spent a summer, I didn't know what occupational therapy was, and most people don't. The name is always confusing. When somebody says, oh, you're an occupational therapist, are you finding people jobs? So the name was confusing, but I had spent a summer in high school working as a physical therapy aide at a rehabilitation center in the therapy pool. So I knew I liked working with people, and I knew that working with disabled was something I would enjoy doing. I just wasn't sure I wanted to be a physical therapist. It sure. was a little bit too much the same every day. And my my school was more about psychology and art and being creative. And when I heard about occupational therapy, a friend of mine told me about occupational therapy. And I asked, well, what's that? And it was a perfect fit for me because it was a combination of helping people, looking at disability, looking at the emotional aspect, looking at the psychological aspect and the medical aspect. and for me, it was a perfect package all wrapped together in occupational therapy as a career. And 35 years ago, I've never looked back. It was something <laughs> that every day I've enjoyed doing. And that was sort of the other question I had. I guess it's similar in a way, but when you're looking at what you do, what you've done, what an occupational therapist does in general, I guess, how do you define that role or what do you see as the, 
the ultimate purpose when you're trying to help these individuals? Obviously, you're you're helping them physically and maybe mentally in some way. But what what are you seeing as sort of that that bigger goal for yourself when you're when you're doing this work? A goal for myself or goal for the patient? Uh, just in general, in general for this position, or I mean, are you seeing this as a you know just get them back on their feet? Are you seeing it as a help them you know for every day? What are you looking at from that, that sort of that grand purpose? You know the the overall purpose of what we're trying to do and what we do in our careers is help people live as independent a life and as quality a life as they can with whatever disability or problem that they have. So we really, you know, I kind of think of OTs, occupational therapists, as problem solvers. So when we're working with a client or we're working with a patient, we're working with all of the things that help them to be as independent as possible. Most you know, most people, I, I wouldn't be surprised if most people listening to this show know somebody who has had a stroke, for example. Mm-hmm. Most of us have a, a grandfather or a, a husband or somebody who's had a stroke. And when you've had a stroke, there are a lot of things that affect how can they get dressed again. So we would do self-care activities and help people learn to bathe themselves again, dress themselves again, be able to cook again, work in the kitchen. If they're going back to work, we look at the work environment. We might help them create an environment that makes them as independent as possible. It even includes helping them drive again if it's appropriate, that maybe they would need to have special controls for their car. So we look at what the person does during the day, and we find where they're having difficulty, and then we work together with them with their goals to make them as independent as possible. Obviously, that sounds like terrific work. And as you've mentioned, I think you have to have that uh, feeling of real sense of fulfillment and uh, and purpose with what you're doing. And uh, hopefully the people listening today will sort of have that uh, that reaction as well. When we talk about the different maybe uh, categories or types of illnesses I mean, or disabilities, you've touched on them a little bit. Are you trained to deal with specific issues? Do you have to sort of be a jack of all trades? Does it vary? Can you jump into that a little bit in terms of if somebody's really interested in in dealing with individuals who've had strokes or maybe it's uh, with children in some regard? Is it really spread out in that fashion or is it more of an all-encompassing, you kind of work with, uh, you know, different types of ailments, different types of illnesses? Well, you know, it, that's interesting. I, I kind of think, I think a good way to to imagine this is if you think of your lifespan or a lifespan of a person starting, you know, from the time they're an infant all the way until old age, and that every part of that lifespan is an area where people can have problems. For Mm -hmm. example, some occupational therapists work in the neonatal intensive care unit. They would need specific training for that. Sure. But when you come out of school, after you do your schooling, you're program to be an occupational therapist or an occupational therapy assistant, and I can explain the difference of that in a minute. Um, When you come out of school, you have enough training that you can find a job in most any area. There are specialty areas where you'll want to have more continuing education in that area, but you come out of school and you should find a job in most areas unless it's highly, highly specialized. Mm -hmm. But what I was talking about with the lifespan, so there are, there are occupational therapists who work in the school system with kids who are having difficulty in school. Okay. They might have difficulty in school because of learning disabilities, or maybe they have cerebral palsy. Maybe they are not able to use the environment in the normal way, and that 
you know, there's a change in the environment that OTs will help the teachers in the classroom, for example. We help people in, you know, adults working teenagers. We Occupational therapists can work in alcohol and drug addiction. They can work in areas that people have been in a car accident or a bicycle accident. We read all the time on the news or watch the news or read in newspapers about some of these snowboarders who have had head injuries mm-hmm. after a snowboarding accident. An occupational therapist would be the person that would help them go back and be as, as independent as possible with their disability. All the way through people who are in nursing homes that we would work with as well. You've brought up, obviously, again, these different, you know, unfortunate incidents, maybe that has happened for somebody or they have, like I an illness or a malady of, of another kind. What are some of the strategies you actually try to implement or activities you'll do? And you mentioned trying to get them back to working with everyday things and being able to, you know, if it's in school, being able to function in that route. I mean, are you trying to put them in real life situations or is it just a, a muscle memory type thing? How, how does that work when you're trying to really build them back up to working in an everyday situation? Yeah, actually, that's a really good question because that's the heart of what occupational therapy sure. is, is, is exactly what you're asking now. Most people, when they think of therapy, they think that they have to strengthen a certain part of their body or, you know, um, maybe have a brace or something that will help them walk again. But in occupational therapy, we're really looking with the patient, with their family, at the whole person. It's a very holistic approach. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we do is we evaluate the person. So we work with the person and find out where are the specific problem areas. Is it something they're unable to do? And then we need to figure out why are they unable to do it? If somebody, you know, the the men coming back from the war that have had amputees and amputations and other problems, we would look at and talk with them and find out not only what can't they do, but what's the most important thing to them. Hmm. So it's very what we call client-centered. So we're really looking at that. Then the strategies we use to treat, it's not just strengthening. It's not something just mundane. It's actually finding creative, interesting, functional ways to get them back in the saddle again and working again. And that's what I really like, is I can be as creative as I want. Let me give you an example. I was working with some young guys who had a spinal cord injury. And they were, you know, to make their arms stronger, they were lifting very, very uh, small weights in the physical therapy program to make their arms stronger again. And these were guys who were used to being really buff and really athletic. And that was pretty boring for them. And (laughs) So what I did is I knew the muscles that they needed to have strengthened, and I knew that they needed these muscles to be able to dress themselves again and to be able to wheel their wheelchairs and to be able to do the things they needed to do. And I know this sounds pretty funny, but I brought in one of those hand crank ice cream makers. Okay. <laughs> and, and so yeah, I wasn't, the, the thing was, is I'm not teaching them to make ice cream. What I did <laughs> is I found a way for them to strengthen what they needed to strengthen in a way that was fun and interesting and that they enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what I do in therapy is finding things that are enjoyable that accomplish the goal that I'm going after. So it makes it much more fun for both the patient and the therapist. It's, It's not boring. It's something that should be very interesting, exciting, and something that engages them in activities that are taken from daily life. When, when you keep mentioning the ideas of, uh, obviously, the physical side, people think of immediately, but then you brought up, okay, maybe it was a little boring for them. So you're a little bit diving into the, the mental side. 
What about maybe the struggle mentally to get back, to feel comfortable doing the things you were doing in the past, you know, where it's, you know, maybe you have that confidence or, you know, I, obviously, I, I mean, with an athlete or something, they're worried, oh, if I do this again, I'm going to get hurt or it's going to be painful. Are you mm-hmm. dealing a lot with that mental side of maybe getting over these hurdles? And, and I guess, how do you really work with an individual when it comes to that? You know, I, I think that that's absolutely crucial that we work with that side. And in fact, you know, you can work with a patient and get them physically back again. But if you don't have that, you know, lust for life and, and the emotional aspect also taken care of, then that person won't go back to a productive quality of life again. So it's something we can't forget about. It 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 goes hand in hand with what we're doing as therapists. And, you know, how do you do that? It depends on each person. Mm-hmm. So that That is the trick. That is the goal is that as an occupational therapist, when I'm working with each individual person, I have to find the thing that is meaningful for them, the thing that makes their life important. And that's what I work with. So it's never just a, a set of exercises or just a blanket approach. It's something that each program, each patient I make individualized to find out what they need, what they want, and what motivates them. And that's that's the key right there. Since we're talking about a lot of uh, these different areas, as you mentioned, you know, mental side, physical side, trying to be creative, what would you point to then if those uh, listening are interested as, or what are the really the skills, the personality traits that you think are, I mean, just essential to being successful as an OT and, uh, you know, really being able to thrive in a position like you have? You know, for the people out there who are listening, if you're interested or, or thinking about this area of occupational therapy, you know, you need, you need to be a people person, somebody who really is interested in helping other people. That's, that's number one. You need to be a good listener, you know, so, so it's not about you, it's about your patients. Mm. So what are their needs? And you need to listen, and then you need to be creative in your problem solving. So it's, you know, some people would look at what we do and you think that we're just helping somebody do something. So I'm helping them get dressed or I'm helping them cook in the kitchen I'm helping them drive. But what I'm doing is I'm not just helping them. I'm helping them learn to be independent. So I have to be thinking each time I'm working with them, what's keeping them from being independent? Are they having difficulty with understanding? Are they having difficulty with their understanding what people are saying? Are they having difficulty making sense of their environment? Are they, are they not sure? Do they not have the confidence? Do they need practice? You know, so there are lots of things that I would do that, you know, that, that what I need to do with the patients is I need to listen. I need to pay attention. I talk to family members. I find out maybe it's a patient who's had a stroke and they can't talk and they can't express their opinion to me. Or maybe it's a young child who can't do that. And then you start talking with the family members and the teachers and the other people around them. But I think having a real good approach with people wanting to help people, but not do things for them, empowering the, the patients to do things more for themselves with your guidance is the key. I think that's a, an interesting way of putting it. And it does make a lot of sense. You're talking about uh, trying to help someone, but putting the power back in their hands. I think that's a great way to, to look at it, a nice perspective when it comes to this position. Clearly, we've been talking about a little bit of uh, what it takes in this, uh, in this area for those listening that, again, maybe are interested, have the, the urge, the itch to get into this profession, let's talk a little bit about the educational side. Uh, you did touch very briefly on it early on, but what are, uh, what are individuals looking at in terms of 
schooling, um, you know, maybe other activities or extracurriculars that could help them out, uh, just to give our listeners a little direction in terms of where to get started if they're looking to hop into this industry? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, occupational therapists, in order to be an occupational therapist and to work in any setting, you have to have your master's degree. Okay. So you that means you have four years of undergraduate, you know, you have your bachelor's degree, and then you become, then you go into a master's program for occupational therapy. And it's usually a, a two to three year program. There's some that are a little bit more condensed. If anybody's interested, they can, and they want to look at schools and that sort of thing. The American Occupational Therapy Association has a website, and that's AOTA.org. So that's AOTA, American Occupational Therapy Association.org. And on that website, if you go slash students, it'll list all of the universities, all of the colleges around the United States that offer the program. So if you want to be an occupational therapist, you have an undergraduate degree, usually in something related, but doesn't have to be. And then, you know, for example, it's not uncommon that people who think of maybe nursing or maybe medicine or psychology or sports, you know, where they're interested in that sort of thing. And then they find out about occupational therapy and they go into that program. And then you have to apply to the school. And, you know, you asked about extracurricular. Volunteer work is really helpful if you have a chance to observe um, occupational therapists in different settings. That is really helpful. The other, pro, the other education that there is, is there's something in the United States called an occupational therapy assistant. And a ther- occupational therapy assistant works directly with an occupational therapist. And they help also with patient, the same ideas of treatment, the same ideas of working with the patients under the guidance of the occupational therapist. And what's really unusual about this is you can become an occupational therapy assistant with an AA degree, a two-year degree. Oh, wow. So, yeah, which is, they're not, especially today in, in the economy and what's happening today, that to have a two-year degree as an occupational therapy assistant, you can almost be guaranteed of a job afterwards. And the, and the salaries are great for both of these careers. So you, if you don't want to go and get a master's degree or you can't for some reason, mm-hmm. but you still want to work in this field, you can look for a school that offers an occupational therapy assistant program, and you have two options. No, that sounds that sounds like a terrific option. Like you said, uh, just if you can get into school for a couple of years and, and get out with a, a job like that, that'd be that's terrific advice just for people to know that there's that option. Now, you did mention the idea of salary, and there's a question that always comes up with all these shows, and obviously we like to just keep all of our listeners informed. Can you give a little bit of a ballpark for those two positions if you are actually you know, going through the master's program and then becoming an occupational therapist and then also um, if you are just doing the assistant side of things, what the compensation might look like for those positions? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on the setting, what kind of a setting you work in. It depends on what part of the country you're working in because, sure. you know, New York, you'll get a higher salary than, you know, the middle America sort of thing. But I looked on the website and uh, for the government and the statistics from 2012, so by last year, sure. The average salary for an occupational therapist is around $75,000. So the span is anywhere between $50,000 and just over $100,000, depending on what kind of a setting and where you work. Mm -hmm. Of course, people who are in supervisory positions and all that can change, but as an occupational therapist. For an occupational therapy assistant, so somebody who has their two-year degree as an occupational therapy assistant, 
the um, average salary is around $53,000. Okay. Uh-huh. And so the, the span seems to go from around 33000 to 73000 depending on what kind of a work setting and what part of the country they're working in. Right. Well, that's great. Great to have that information and those uh, those figures. Again, as you mentioned, it varies depending on different situations, but always nice to sort of have that idea in mind. And with that, we're actually going to take a break here on I Want to Be an Occupational Therapist. We've been speaking with our expert guest, Jan Davis, who for a long time had her own practice in Washington, but still plays a big role in the educational and training side of things for all those future and current OTs out there. If you want to continue listening to this conversation, head over to localjobnetwork.com slash radio slash list. Just type in I Want to Be an Occupational Therapist and part two should come right up for you. Otherwise, if you're looking to contact us with any comments or questions for any of the podcasts here at LJN Radio, just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.